everyone. This is the Disruptive Voices of Pacific podcast. My name is Letitia Shelton and today I'm joined by a very important man in Fiji. His name is Reverend Wilfred. (laughs) He just looked at me. (laughs) You don't think you're important, Reverend? (laughs) Tell us first before I start asking some questions, what's your role in the Methodist Church? Hi, Bulubinaka everyone. Uh, My name is Reverend Wilfred and uh, I am uh, uh, the Secretary for Communications and uh, I work with Overseas Mission, which is the missionaries of the Methodist Church who are deployed uh, overseas. Um, part of my work is uh, doing awareness and uh, I've been very much into uh, the addressing of pornography and how it's related to violence and uh, harassments and uh, rape uh, and uh, has been um, uh, uh, working uh, uh, for uh, Leticia for the past few months and I'm so thankful that I'm also learning at the same time. <laughs> he doesn't work for me at all but because um, he hasn't done what I've asked him to. <laughs> We've become good friends because we both share a passion, um, particularly around the issue of porn and the abuse of women, which is what this podcast seeks to address. And I love that he is disruptive and not afraid to speak up. Now, last week in Suva um, was the National Methodist Conference for Fiji and Rotuma. And on Wednesday, the Sun newspaper reported that you were talking, um, the president had said that there's been reports of Fijian pastors watching pornography, having affairs. Was this a shock to you? Um, It it was, uh, uh, in fact, the conference uh, had a lapse of two years uh, because of COVID. And then we came back um, after two years and... um, the report that was uh, highlighted, the highlighted, uh, you know, a report of pornography and uh, yeah, some extramarital affairs and abuses that is happening was a collection of these uh, uh, two years of, uh, of, of you know, uh, uh, reports coming in into the office. And uh, the headquarters uh, had a committee that was addressing some, um, putting people into uh, discipline, suspending some of our ministers, uh, counselling uh, many. So it's it's uh, an highlight of what we have been dealing with uh, since COVID. Um, and now it has been presented uh, in the conference. Eh? conference. It's, it's, it is challenging because it was part of his opening speech. Uh, so this is, uh, I think, one of the good things about it is that the president was really open about it, uh, open about the fact that porn is an issue, and it's not only affecting uh, a- a- any you know, uh, congregational member, but most importantly, the leaders. When you talk about ministers, you talk about leaders. And in the Pacific, leaders are very much, you know, uh, uh, p- uh, people look up to for standards, looked up to for advice and counsellors. Here, so then behind that uh, leadership role, 
and uh, leadership behind that leadership role in the coat and the collar and the shirts and you know whoever the leader is in the Christian uh, community. Uh, unfortunately, there has been a rise in the number of these uh, leaders who we look up to for standards, for advices, for counsel, who are into pornography and also. I think that led into the other activities that was mentioned. Um, I mean, it doesn't come to a surprise of me. Barna Research has um, done a poll and found out that 50%, 57% of pastors watch porn, 64% of youth pastors. What, thinks, what do you think drives um, our leaders, our Christian leaders, when they would clearly know that this is um, wrong? They must live in huge guilt and shame uh, leading God's people, but stuck in these addictions what what does lead them to pornography do you think and I, I think Leticia the thing about this the addiction is that it's it's such it it, it closes off the conscious of being ashamed and that's the danger about it and and conscious of knowing that you're serving people uh, and you should be kind of embarrassed because you're doing, you know, what people don't see that you're doing, secrets. This is the thing about addiction. Addiction is when you continue to do something just without having the conscious that, you know, that you have been dragged down into a hole or victim into a lifestyle that you, know, you just don't have any conscious of until you are caught or, you know, you confess and then you take responsibility and said, yes, I'm addicted. And then you come to realization that all this time you've been part of this, uh, you know, leadership as a youth pastor or any pastor, but at the same time you've been uh, uh, addicted into, or into pornography. And one of the things too that has been part of these uh, challenges is how you know many of these uh, leaders become uh, preying on the very people that they lead eh? because of the addiction. And that's, uh, so what? That's the thing about it, they don't have any conscious. It's just like uh, drinking. It's just like any other. When you are so addicted, it's just don't think, you know about it more it's it's controlling you and i think it needs to be addressed until it's exposed and addressed and people talk about it then there will be realization that it's happening and the great thing is the methodist church are setting up some systems of reporting so you, you found that it's generally the wives calling up the head office this is what i'm seeing my husband do or my pastor um, so it's great that you've put some things in place. But then what happens? Uh, what help is there for these um, pastors that are caught? The, the, the general and the common one that we have is uh, the visitation, the pastors, or the calling of the pastors to come to the head office and uh, have a, a consultation session with our leaders uh, at the head office the president or the general secretary but we usually appoint a committee to reach out to these places and when they go they try and get this full story of what happened um pastors messaging 
another man's wife, uh, another sending, you know, uh, private photos, uh, the private parts and and other pornography, you know, uh, stuff, images and all. And these are the things that we come and talked about. And, and, and the thing is that, uh, uh, say, 90% of these pastors stop straight away because it's been exposed. When it's not exposed and it's been, you know, the blanket is the status. And uh, how people, you know, revert to these uh, people as the leaders of people of God anointed. That is when it continues. So what we do, we talk about it. That's why the president did not hesitate to share it. Because, you know, maybe there are some more out there for hiding. So you here now, it will be exposed. It's great um, that it sends a message to other pastors. Um, you better watch out. Hey, uh, now's a good time to confess. But, yeah, I love that he's bringing this stuff up at a national level. Also, he talked about the um, concern about violence against women, which is ginormous in the Pacific Islands, uh, and just re-examining uh, theology. What has been some of the harmful theology taught in the past that has um, added to the violence or the subjugation of women? But I think what what he meant was that uh, you know we need to to look at uh, the scripture from a holistic perspective, especially when we talk about the New Testament and and the approaches that Jesus did. What was that he he preached love uh, holistically, and it was not for a, a particular agenda or, or for particular uh, you know statues or, or whether it'll be. Uh, traditional or religious churches yeah, where people get away with uh, you know what they're doing because these are some of the things too that we've been interesting how our members you know are, are been committing violence against women and how even these very religious you know the leaders who are also committing violence against women so we need to address it in 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 a f in, in a way that it addresses everyone. When Jesus said, you know, when it says it loves a love to love someone, everyone expected to live the same principle. And when Jesus said that, uh, you know, it, it, that we should stop from uh, abusing and we stop from uh, discriminating, it that. Uh, that instruction is for everyone, not only for the congregation. It applies for the ministers, even the president himself, to understand that God is also watching him. God is also judging the movements, and you know, from the perspective, and also uh, from the Christian, Christian perspective. But at the same time. Uh, to be, to be, you know, to be in line with what God wants you to be, to do is just looking it, looking in it from the holistic perspective. There's been there's been issues before where people take the Bible for granted and use it as a way in which a man get away. One was uh, uh, Paul's writing was that women you subject yourself men eh? has the church subjects themselves to Jesus and they use that 
that small verse to say that women's role is, you know, one level down and, and that includes her life and that includes, you know, her uh, uh, value and worth. But that, was, that is exactly not the fact. The fact is that everyone is equal. What you call imago dei, you are theologian, everyone in morality. And there's another one, I think there's been a, a story of how Eve was the cause of all these you know, scenes and all. And that continues to be something preached at the pulpit. And that I think he's mentioning. These are just two that I'm, you know, uh, uh, mentioning today. But it, there are many more. And that develops. And these are the you are the women who, who are the ones who started all this. So this has been accepted as a theology. But it was nothing to do with theology and nothing to do with the word. And added on to that, I mean, yeah, they're all the same issues we have in the Western world, that men take those verses and weaponise them to oppress women. And I think sometimes the church is responsible for the oppression of women just as much as <laughs> the porn industry. Um, but we, we've played our part. Um, what is added to it, though, is very much your culture here in the Pacific as well, where man is um, generally a bit more important, or I notice he's put in position of honour or sits up the front and eats first. What, what, what would it take to change some of those cultural um, practices that have been here from the beginning of time? I think one of the things that uh, really helps is that how the Itoke, let's talk about the Fijian uh, Itoke, the indigenous, have accepted Christianity and have... Uh, uh, you know, uh, allowed that Christ be the center of their everything. This makes it easier. Because whenever you address issues in Fiji, and then you highlight that the king of kings' word is, is, is like we've just discussed, love unconditionally, you know, this really helps. Uh, the challenge is that you know, some people would continue to say, uh, well, we just had some recently who said, oh, it's not from here. It's a British god uh, that they brought from Jerusalem. And uh, yeah, so this, they are bringing back the older gods who, in the older tradition, our women, you know, really were not, you know, not, not that valued. For example, if a man dies, the wife buried with, with him. If a king or a chief dies, ten of the women, or their fingers are cut off, all the stuff about women. So when, when Christianity came in, it, it, you know, it, it, it gives value to human beings, eh? especially because of the sacrifice. One man sacrificed for all, so everyone in the presence of God is accounted for as equal, uh, respect of the gender, the sex they belong to, or, or, or you know, uh, traditional statues, or even religion. And, and he, he brought with him uh, a servant uh, uh, leader approach, eh? where we need to be uh, showing love for each other, and also, most importantly, to lead and serve, more than to be served. 
and manipulate others. So these are some of the things we highlight. So whenever there is you know, this big discussion of man being something, when Christ has been preached, people refer to it as a center of our tradition here in Fiji. Unfortunately, it's been preached a lot, but not in the address of pornography and violence. I only wish, because I, I always say this, uh, you men are expecting women. These are some of my, my words I use when I'm preaching. You think you are king in your house, and when you expect your woman to be someone who's running around for you and doing everything, and when food is not ready in time, you are the one who, you know, you, you're upset because you think that person, individual, that human being, is brought there just because to make you happy in food or sex. Listen, you are just equal to that human being. So you men, stand up and cook your own food. So the, uh, there are only fewer of us who preach that way. Some, I think, a bit uh, not, not, not comfortable or not ready enough. But I, I, I don't care. I just do that because I see that from my dad who cooks and that's the laundry and all. I, I, I cook food at home and all. So that is, and, and the boldness comes from the example that you're already living. Yeah, and I mean, that's great to s share from the pulpit. How can you make that? Because food is the center of Fijian culture and you can't go to any meeting, any church meeting without food. And um, I get to go to speak at a lot of things here. <laughs> Generally, because um, I'm the guest speaker, so I'm honored, but I'm usually left at a table with all the men while the women are still running around or on the floor. So even though we're preaching it, we're not changing it in, in our churches. We're still, the men, I'm always sitting up the front with the men. Like it, I'm never surrounded by women if I'm the guest of honour because <laughs> the women are down the back somewhere. So are we prepared to actually change some of those practices? One, one, I think one of the things that needs to be understood that... Uh, in, in the setting, eh? in the context that you are in, there, there are different uh, setting and context. There are places where women are more empowered by doing their role rather than just sitting around doing nothing. So, in, in, yeah, so that's, that's another context. Another context is that, uh, you know, to have uh, leaders up there and uh, men behind the women who are serving. You know, preparing them, the ones who are helping out with the love or the hard job around it, with their husband. So their women dress up and they go up there. So that's another context. Another context is the village uh, hall. When you come in, women sit aside. If you interview the women who are sitting aside on a, you know, a gathering uh, of this village, sitting there is a lawyer, a doctor. But just sit aside because, you know, that is the context, eh? But what we talk about here is the women who are silently suffering at home, who don't know where to go to or how to address that he or that she has been treated like a slave. You know, uh, uh, every wrong move, if the food is not good, that plate could be, you know, uh, uh, thrown at, uh, at her face. If, uh, you know, she's not giving uh, sex, she could be abused. Yeah, and that man could be uh, uh, really abusive. And all these stuff, the, 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 these are the issues that are out there. 
that sometimes is uh, swept under the carpet because of the tradition that, uh, that no men are here. Uh, in the Pacific, eh? uh, they the held up high in, in, the, in the community and also in the traditional stitches. Eh? Uh, these are the ones that we are trying to address. The ones that looks like a very good couple, but that woman, no, we don't know the signs. I, you know, sometimes I know that many don't really know, understand the signs uh, that they are going through hard times. Eh? Until we hear, oh, there's a divorce, the family's broken down, and then we're right. But intervention could have come earlier. Uh, unfortunately, because of people are not addressing it, like you said, hey, we can talk about it. But that needs to be addressed in other, not only from the pulpit, and I think there are other uh, 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 ways in which we can discuss eh, and address these issues. Yeah, it's the discussing and then the changing of actions too, because <laughs> we know we can all talk a lot, which is good. Um, and I was just with India, with Indian women last week in Singapore, and you realise, and I sometimes men don't always understand um, <laughs> the little things that do bother them. Um, just, you know, them always being overlooked or the, the men called up first. And it was interesting to see their point of view. But look, one last question. Um, yesterday I was... Before, before your last question, one of the things too, and I think uh, that has been lacking is, uh, uh, like we've talked about, resources, eh? How can we resource men to understand a woman? We don't really have that around uh, uh, a session for men to go out and just learn about the wife. Who is she? Who is this, you know, different creation altogether? No. But you come in with your demands and your expectation and you expect that creation, you know, to bow down and, and be part of what your agenda is. There is another, I think, the resource. So young people in Fiji are growing up without even knowing who this female is, what's her need, what makes her happy, you know, what is her desire. Uh, I've, I've, I've met women who they are not noticed in the house. Why? Because men think that they are the ones who are the only one there running everything. And that woman is there to bear children and cook and look after house. And, 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 and it's uh, saddening, eh? And it's sad and there's um, work to do, but we're working on it. Um, and I just, yeah, my last question for you, because I think this is uh, a great move forward. Yesterday I was with some pastors in Nandi and, and they acknowledged that their pastoral training has been... Um, if there's abuse going on in the home, they bring the couple together, talk about the importance of forgiveness and reconciliation and send them back on their way. <laughs> and you mentioned before that that's probably how you were trained in the past, but the Methodist Church, again, has made some significant moves. What do they, what do, they do now? Oh, right now we are encouraging our members to be open about discussion about one pornography and another is, uh, you know, the activities that is related to it, which is violence, sexual harassment. Um, when you long, you know, pornography drives people to want to, uh, uh, you know, the fantasy eh, of wanting to try out things outside of their marriage, which results in extramarital affairs. 
so this is one of the things that we've just done is to we've put together what we call a safeguarding policy so that our men and women, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, our women and our children uh, and also our men can have a protocol of reporting whatever is happening. And, and one uh, good thing about this is, there is a, it's like a structure, eh? there is eh? organization structure, then what you report in the church. But then there's a line that goes directly that overlaps all those structures and points up. Anyone can report up to the president or the general secretary. So this is something new. Because in, in, in the Pacific, there's a lot of protocols, eh? the chiefs and all the, you know even the tradition in the church it is it, it the, the the same principle like for the past 180 something years of the church uh, christian the methodism in Fiji or the christian church in Fiji, that has also been part of uh, how people engage in churches protocols but no you cry out to the lord whenever you want eh? to the king of kings. So our safeguarding policy is allowing any individual, if you are abused and you know your minister is not going to hear you, and you know that your husband is a good friend of that senior superintendent, or he is part of the community of the church, and you know they will just stop it there, you can walk straight to the head office or right there and tell them what is happening. And we have been trained I'm briefed to address it here, uh, ASP. Just come in there, uh, address it, and do something about it. And that is why he was bold enough to talk about it, because we've uh, addressed it and we have, uh, you know, disciplined people who have been abusive and also been part of uh, pornography and sexual harassment. Not only ministers, but, but also with our members, eh? Well, that's um, great signs of hope and changes, and we pray that it will help turn the tide of um, the violence in our nation. Well, thank you, Reverend Wilfred. I'm sure we'll have you back on again from time to time. Um, you're a great voice, um, and so we appreciate your time today, and we'll look forward to catching you all again next week. Thank you. Easily, I see suffering I see the pain beneath that bull of smile come out from hiding the sun is rising let the islands hear reason live